0: Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Paulette Gloria-Rigo. She is a mediator, certified divorce coach, transition and recovery coach, career transition specialist, and author of the Better Divorce Blueprint, the online course, book, and planner. She's also the founder of Better Divorce Academy. Her commitment to creating an optimal divorce experience is her life's work. Welcome, Paul Rigo. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Catherine. It's an honor to be here, and I am so happy that your show exists. More of this needs to uh, be out there. Thank you
0: well, thank you for those words. So, you know, a lot of times people call my office and they're really in the exploration phase. They are unhappily married or they've been fighting a lot or, you know, there's been an affair or something and they're just trying to decide if divorce is the way they should go. And, you know, it's not like anybody walks down the aisle thinking, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to dump this guy or this gal, right? So how how can people know if divorce is right for them?
1: It's such a good question and one I am asked quite often too. In fact, it's one of the reasons I wrote Better Divorce Blueprint. There is so much to take into consideration. It's not like you get a redo, right? Catherine, you can't say, oops, uh, could we do that again? Or, mm, I, I do over. Although, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh about it, but there, there is a lot to consider, but you know, if you've really slowed down and taken all of your emotions your experiences, your thoughts, and your memories. Uh, sometimes they can get a little bit cloudy into consideration that you take off the mask and you're real and honest with yourself first. Then it's a matter of really knowing your options and being prepared and organized and researched. And I know that sounds kind of boring, but it's important that you don't take it haphazard, you know, just sort of blasé, as they would say. Understand the red flags, the deal breakers, the common reasons couples divorce. Uh, and the more you have of those, the more likely it is that divorce is truly your only option. Then there still may be a bit of fear and overwhelm and maybe some exhaustion too, because it, it can be a long process. I have done a lot of research on that and I. I think the average amount of time most people consider divorce or contemplate it without really telling anyone, they keep it to themselves, is about two years. I don't know if you agree, but that's pretty much when I ask someone, how long have you been thinking about this? It's not uncommon that people take quite some time to really contemplate divorce before they approach it. And when the pain of staying in the marriage is greater than your fear of change, you know that it's the right thing for you.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, first of all, I just want to say that I heard a statistic and I have no idea if it's right or wrong uh, recently that says that women consider divorce for two years before they do anything, but men consider it for 10, 10 years. And yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but that it's a really long time to be in both circumstances. It's like most people don't decide over a weekend, you know what? I'm out of here. Like this, <laughs> this is over. It happens sometimes, but not very often. And I think, you know, for me personally, it was really thinking about whether or not I wanted to grow old with this person. And mm-hmm. you know, I just yeah. knew in my heart of hearts that when my children left home, my fam, my parents passed away, that if I was left in this relationship alone with this man, I would be really unhappy. And -hmm. and so that was sort of like the coming home moment, even though I'm the first person in my family to get divorced. That's when I knew. And my grandmother told me before I got married that I could never get divorced, which is kind of ironic since I was a divorce lawyer at the time. Very (laughs) ironic. uh, Yeah. And so... I think the answer to the question is what you're saying is that really you have to think about all of the factors and it's not a rageful kind of conversation. It's a, or a thought process that's certainly going to be there, but there's going to have to be some real thoughtful consideration of the things of your values and the situation and whether or not any of this is fixable. Is that right?
1: So true. In fact, when I sat down to gather my copious amounts of notes from my own personal eight and a half year litigated experience and appellant process, I went through them and realized that there was more to the contemplation phase than I realized. And so much so that I dedicated chapters one, two, and three to before, contemplating, approaching four, five, and six during, and seven and eight after I think it's important that you do really take everything into consideration, that you've honored your values, gathered your financial information, and no longer feel confused. Highly personal choice.
0: In your situation, since you mentioned the incredibly protracted divorce process, what do you think it was that made it take such a long time?
1: Well, I think it boiled down to the fact that I wasn't really divorcing a man. It was a family. And there were a lot of outside influences that had their opinions. And soon thereafter, we had discussions about divorcing and tried mediation and realized that that was perhaps not going to be possible so much so that the mediator sent the retainer back and said, you know, you need an attorney. Good luck. So that was a little bit of a daunting sign right there. Yes, um, it must have been. It, it was, yeah, it was, I, I didn't really know that there were options, you know, that's, Uh, How green I was, Catherine. I was as green as a, you know, a meadow. I just had no idea. I had no interest in being involved in a legal process. I was that kid that saw legal shows on TV and changed the channel. Uh, It -hmm. wasn't anything I was fascinated by. Um, Now that I'm engulfed in it and every day, I, I do find it truly fascinating. But the contentiousness was more from the fact of just not wanting to cooperate, feeling like Uh, The rules don't apply to me and I don't have to fill out the paperwork and all of that. So it just led to this cycle of not complying, not adhering to deadlines and protocol and always finding additional uh, reasons to file contempt charges and the like. And eventually, three attorneys later, my ex-husband's side um, just kept filing and filing they even hired a um and a, a, excuse me a retired lawyer that um basically was hired just to keep pushing papers to keep the cycle going and then after the decision was finally made um there was a four year appellant process which is a whole nother day at the races didn't even know that that was a possibility but that dragged it on extensively as well Oh,
0: I'm really sorry for that. That's really a nightmarish story. And so what do you think that a successful divorce and divorce process looks like? If obviously not that... <laughs>
1: Right. Well, you know, the good news is 97% of divorces do not experience what I experienced. Uh, they stay out of trial, which is great news, right? I mean, 97% is a very high number. So if only 3% of divorces go to trial and only 1% of that 3% go to the appellate court process, it makes me a bit of a unicorn, which also gives me a unique viewpoint, not only personally, but professionally, of understanding just all things divorce and what it can and should or should not look like. But a successful divorce is when the playing field feels leveled or more even, maybe not perfectly, but both parties feel heard, respected, and their opinions matter. Where their children's needs are taken into consideration, where outside influences do not dictate the process or the outcome, Uh, Really, the couple is able to mitigate the outside influences, where the couple is able to divorce with dignity and grace and able to pick up the pieces so their lives can move on and they can start to create and adventure into what their new life might look like as a family unit that may look different. It's a matter of them recreating the house situation and how that is going to be Divided and who's going where, but it's more of just the feeling between the family still maintaining some sense of connection and that's going to be different for every family but I think it's really important that the children's needs are always taken into consideration too
0: you know I think it's really interesting I've been listening to you talk i'm I'm reminded that for children you're always going to be family right a husband or wife or Two spouses of the same sex are, are still going to be their parents, are still going to be their family, whether or not they're married to each other anymore. So you're always family to your kids. And I think it really helps people to realize that and, and to be able to, in some ways, work to get over their feelings and their disappointment and and hurt and all of that to try to form something new that has positivity to it for the sake of the children and frankly for the sake of themselves as well because I think that people feel a lot less sad and less resentful if they can feel like, you know what, there were good things about this marriage too. It just didn't work out in the end. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I have to agree. Regret is a terrible thing and you always want to feel like you can look back at the way you conducted yourself, the decisions you made, um and the input that you had was done in the best manner possible. I mean, there's always those stresses where you have those moments of like, Whoa, what just happened? Did I really say that? But for the most part, you really want to be able to look back at it with grace and feel like, well, that wasn't exactly what I thought would happen, but all right, uh, you know, kept the big picture at hand and looked looked at the situation. Long term, what is going to be in the best interest of myself, my spouse and the kids as a family unit, it's going to look different and it may not look the way you thought it might. But really walking forward through the process, always thinking about how is this going to look one year, five years, 10 years down the road so that we can all look back at it without feeling horror.
0: I'm Catherine Miller, and this is Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX, 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Paulette Rigo about a good divorce, how you know divorce is the right thing for you, and what are some of the things that people run into, the problems that they run into. And so, Paulette Rigo, what are some of the biggest mistakes that women make in the early stages of divorce?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know i think that the statistic now is about 70% of divorces filed by women so i don't know if that means they make more mistakes or not i think both parties can be uh you know guilty of that but first of all i see them trusting their spouse to do the right thing that like well we've been married we've known each other forever or 5 years 10 years 20 years plus the longer you know them the longer you think you uh, can trust them and sometimes people change their stripes and It's not always the case, especially when money involved and emotions are involved, trusting them to do the right thing can be a mistake, hiring the wrong attorney, praying that their spouse will change, uh, being in the dark of their financial assets and debt, that's a big one, getting in a new relationship way too soon, sharing details and attacks of their spouse with the children, and lately, it's text warfare and thinking social media is harmless fun. A great number of evidence and communication issues and divorce situations come from social media, text messages. And that seems so darn innocent when you've got this piece of technology sitting in your hand and you can just, at the click of a button, right, or the touch of a, of the screen, you can just emote something. And how easy is it for it to be misinterpreted? So be really careful. I actually insist that my clients sort of eliminate or step way back from social media. But also throwing in the towel, kind of saying, oh, please, just anything to get through this. Confiding in the wrong people and letting their health go uh, meaning they don't take care of themselves. They aren't sleeping. They're not eating well. They don't manage to sneak in some exercise and they just fall apart because it is so stressful. There's so many mistakes, but those are the most common ones that I see uh, repetitively.
0: That is a, a long list of potential <laughs> mistakes. You know, so I mean, one of the things that I usually tell my clients about speaking about texting, social media, but also emails, is that it's never good to send an email when your heart rate is elevated, <laughs> you know, and that if they're going to send an email like that to their soon to be ex-spouse, they should send it to me instead as the attorney. Or to their therapist or to their best friend or whatever, but not to the other person because studies show we read, just as a human race, we read email correspondence kind of with mud-colored glasses, meaning that we always read it thinking that the writer is disparaging us or is somehow criticizing us. And certainly when people are getting divorced, that's even worse. And, and so really kind of less is more when you're getting divorced. Only communicate about what is absolutely needed to, to know. Here's, you know, Sally had a cold today. You know, don't forget that Joe has to finish that homework assignment. You know, whatever it was, need to know only. What do you think about keeping it to that while going through the divorce process if things are difficult?
1: I'm a big proponent of that. I call it BIF, B-I-F-F. I I learned that from Bill Eddy and many of the trainings that I've done about dealing with high conflict personalities of, of whether it be divorce or not, but keep it brief, informational, friendly, and firm. Uh, not, not a harsh, but just like, bye, you know, a thank you. It's sort of just a, a finality of it instead of, um, Going on with the, um, you know, superfluous colors of emotions, keeping it really brief and the social media, I could not agree with you more. And I also require or I guess requires a good word. Anyone that works with me, if they're even in the slightest bit of doubt about sending a text message or an email to send it to me first, just as you do, because that way they can process it, write it, express it, get it off their chest. But they can send it to a safe place that has no repercussions, no judgment, and no results because of something that they said in a heated moment that really isn't how they feel. And also when you read something, right, Catherine, we miss the eye contact. We miss the body language. We miss the tone and the demeanor. It's just letters. And Words have emotions that to them. So we miss sometimes the meaning and the connotation. And most people also start to form a reply before they even read the rest of the sentence. It's immediately an anger or a, oh, yeah, I'll show you kind of response. I haven't seen much benefit and positive things come out of most text messages
0: and social media
1: before, during, and after divorce as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes people really take stuff personally that they really shouldn't take personally. It's really not about the recipient of that message, but really more about the sender. But on the other hand, and I think this might be something that women are more prone to than men, but not 100% so, which is to sort of want it all, want... The other person to be respectful. Want the other person to see, I'm the person you've been married to, and it goes back to something that you said earlier about trusting your spouse and or or expecting them to be respectful and 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 nice during the process. I think Zsa Zsa Gabor said, "You never know a man until you divorce him," but the, it goes both ways. It's not gender sure. specific. I want to remind people that this is Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530 and also available as a podcast wherever you listen. And I'm talking today with Paulette Gloria-Rigo about a successful divorce. And if people are interested in learning more about you or your course, Paulette, what can they do?
1: Well, thank you for asking that. Uh, I try to be pretty uh, available and easy to find. So my My work that I do, the book is called Better Divorce Blueprint. It's available on Amazon. It's very easy to find. It's a 307-page book and a 197-page companion workbook. It isn't like you read the book like a novel and you're like, I got it. You have to do the work to get through it. And it's best to find anything that I do on betterdivorceacademy.com. Um, all over social, I have a podcast called The Thriving in Chaos Project. And yeah, I do a lot of public speaking. I am here to help people divorce with dignity. And that's why I think you and I are so aligned. I was immediately ecstatic as soon as I found you, not to mention that I studied with a dance teacher in New Rochelle at Adelphi University. So <laughs> I felt um, like I'd come home when I when I found you.
0: Well, that's great. It's great to find another like soul. So let me ask you this. If, if, do you think that there is, in order to have a dignified divorce or a successful divorce, does it matter which process you choose, which method of making the divorce decisions?
1: Well, that's such an important question. From somebody who would have done anything to avoid my experience, I do know that there are those cases that don't really have much of a choice litigation really is your only way of finding out the truth or what's there. If you are the type of couple where one party is really very much in control of all the finances and all the decision making, it's going to be hard to mediate, collaborate, DIY, dare I say. People need to really make sure that that is really their only option. But Again, 97% of cases do not have to fall into that little um, box. There are many ways that you can avoid that. So, uh, choosing the right method is is important uh, based on how long have you been married? Are there children? Uh, how contentious is it? Are you able to speak respectfully to each other? Do you have significant assets or debt or both? Do you own a business together? So the more complicated your marriage, uh, more long-term, uh, it could also affect grown adult children. There's uh, a big increase in gray divorce of couples over 50 and 62 and have been married 25, 30-plus years. And that starts to get more complicated. So is it possible to mediate? absolutely as a mediator I am a huge proponent of it I love when both parties can come to the table in good faith able to make decisions willing to make compromises maintain confidentiality and feel the outcome is worthy of the hard work to put in but it does take that commitment to be able to to get through it and be successful the mediation has a very high success rate something in the 80s percent but there are those cases and those times when you really do need to litigate, go through discovery, and um, consider the facts for what they are. Take each case, as you know, as an attorney, as an individually. There is no unfortunate one-size-fits-all.
0: You know, I think that uh, sometimes people kind of misinterpret mediation as being, oh, well, it's only if we're getting along really well and we're not angry at each other. And I think most people who are getting divorced are pretty angry at each other. It kind of comes with the territory. And and so, you know, in my experience, that's really not the determining factor as to whether or not it'll work. It's can you be respectful? Can you share information? And do you trust the other person to share the relevant information as well? And can you sit in the room and are you willing to do The work, because it's not like if you just hired lawyers and said, listen, lawyers, you just do it and tell us what it is, because obviously they can't do that. It's not their lives. Right. And so there's going to be work. Regardless, but sitting in the same room with your spouse and soon-to-be ex-spouse and talking through the money, the kids, the future relationship, the cash flow, the spending, the budgets, all that is not easy. But if you can do it, you really can fashion something for a future partnership as co-parents and former spouses that is more resilient and perhaps even kind of a happy arrangement going forward. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I really like what you said about being willing to share information. That's one of the reasons that couples have a difficult time mediating, uh, that they're just not willing to share. It's like that cross your arms in front of the chest, chin up in the air like none of your darn business attitude. Um, I also think that there's a little bit of a myth that mediation has to just be a mediator with party A and party B. Uh, There are many times where you need to have counsel in the room next to you, or maybe even they're the ones that are conducting the conversation back and forth, of course, including you in the conversation and decision-making we're not all experts in every aspect of divorce maybe there needs to be some financial um evaluation of a business or other sort of uh, evidence that needs to come in or a proof of paperwork to prove taxes or insurance or whatever whatever the topic is at hand but if the both sides are kind of stoic and not willing to like you said do the work and be consistent of that momentum that you build and not stonewalling and saying, okay, that's it, I'm done, then it can be really successful.
0: So let me ask you this. If somebody is thinking about divorce, what is your top piece of advice to them as they enter the divorce process? What What do you think they should do first and and most? Mm.
1: Wow, that's a wonderful question. For, first it would be very important that they have done a lot of soul searching and taken full responsibility of their contribution to the demise of the relationship, taking ownership of the part that they have played. I see a lot of finger pointing, blaming, you know, she did this, he did that, he did this, she did that. And and that's all well and good and that has its place in time, Uh, maybe in other circumstances. But there is A very important aspect of the divorce journey even in um, the cases where the the other person has filed and they're the egregious one or that there is this little part of ourselves that really has to take ownership of our part that we played in it it helps you walk through the the journey a little bit more confidently and more aware Um, yeah and um,
0: good Well, that's a good place to leave it because you're about out of time, Paulette Rigo. Thank you so much for being my guest today.
1: Such a pleasure, Catherine. Thank you.